Welcome to the second episode of my podcast. What you're about to listen to is a conversation I had with Kenji, who is a fourth-year medical student in King's College, London. He is also an amazing YouTuber that helps others get into medical school and provides advice on how we can improve our time in university. In this episode, I talked to him about overcoming rejection when he didn't get into medical school the first time around, and also self-limitations he deals with while building a growing YouTube channel. If you do enjoy this, do leave a nice review on this podcast and also follow to stay updated as well. I hope you enjoy this. So thanks again for spending your time with me on this podcast. Really appreciate it. You know, we've been friends for like, I mean, I think we're friends for the last three and a half years. And I think one of the first questions, I guess, I would like to ask you, which we all got asked during our medical school interview is, why did you choose to do medicine? Ooh, so yeah, that's a, to take me back to my application days, bro. But why did I decide to do medicine? I think for me, honestly, why I put my first statement is actually like what I truly like, one of the main reasons why I went to medicine. So uh, as you know, Aaron, um, I was uh, born and brought up in Kenya, which is still a third of our country. Um, and living in Kenya, um, every so often we used to go to slums. Uh, so we you know, weren't too far away from the slums. It's actually one of the biggest slums in the whole of Africa, uh, in Kenya, and it's called Kibera Slum. And we used to go there every so often and we'd volunteer. Uh, we'd uh, help like build the infrastructure. We'd like uh, hold debates with the local kids in the local schools. And we, we did a lot of work you know, in, in the slums basically. And um, you know, I was really, really lucky to have the opportunity to also come to the UK. So you know, my mom is um, English as well. So I had the opportunity to come here and, you know, see like, you know, such a big difference that there is between, uh, you know, a first world country and a third world country. And the biggest difference that I, I saw myself was the fact that, you know, healthcare here is completely free. Whereas a lot of the kids in Kenya didn't have access to like the basic healthcare and not just healthcare. It was, you know, it was healthcare. It was education. It was, um, it was so much that, you know, sometimes, you know, we here in the UK and, you know, in a lot of places in the Western world can take for granted. So I really was able to see that, you know, kind of contrast between, um, you know, being here and being there. And I realized at that point, you know, what me becoming a doctor can do, because I was gifted with the you know, the ability to come here to the UK and to study and to get a good education. And I saw what that could do, you know, one day, not for just my patients here in the UK, you know, working in the NHS, but also going back to Kenya one day. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that is one of my you know goals to head back to Kenya one day, you know, not, not necessarily live there, but to be able to go back to Kenya and to help people there and provide some, you know, some sort of uh, global health um, to them. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's more or less why I decided to, to do medicine. That's like the, that's such a good, I mean, firstly, that's very, that's a great answer. And it's just, it's such a perfect answer. I'm, is that what you told the interviewer in your interviews? Uh, yeah, I mean, thank God they didn't ask it, but that's that's what I wrote in my personal statement. <laughs> that's what you wrote because that's an that's an amazing answer because you could have just said I want to save people, I want to save lives, and uh, I, I think I think as much as it's not really just about saving lives, but actually just going deeper into uh, public health and just making sure access itself um, it's it's something that's super important. And I guess that's not something that I've really thought about, and I think it's really great mm -hmm. that. It's really tr driven you to come here, uh, here being medical school. But um, yeah, 100%. when when did you when did you come over to the UK? Uh, I came to the UK. 
so it's a it's such a long story but i think the first time i came here to actually live here i was in year six so it started by year six i did year six here year seven here then i went back to kenya for year eight and nine for those two years and then i came back to the uk most recently when i was 14 in year 10 uh so yeah so yeah. two years in year six and seven and then like, most recently uh in year 10 when i was 14 so about like 11 years ago most recently yeah and then since year 10 which you were 14 you've been here yeah and i don't yeah, not, just said, yeah yeah and then so that's i think what another three years of school and then you then applied for uni yeah so right. it was year 10 to year 13 and then yeah applied for uni in year 13 and then went on to do biomed and then med school straight after so at that point did you apply to medicine at 18 uh, so you? I wanted to, I really, really wanted to apply to medicine and, uh, yeah, you know, that was my goal. It was ultimately my goal to get into medical school uh, and I really, really wanted to apply to medicine. But unfortunately back then, uh, we had, uh, like AS level and then, which was our first year of college. Yeah. And then during my AS levels, uh, I was predicted A star, A, B for university and the B was in chemistry. So because of my prediction, I wasn't able to apply to med school. And that's when I thought, okay, you know, what else am I passionate about? You know, what else do I really enjoy? And that's when I went down the route of biomed to hopefully, uh, you know, cross my fingers and see how that turns out and see if I can uh, apply for medical school after. So that's how, yeah, that's how it went. And um, I guess you do make a lot of videos about that and you've actually helped a lot of, I guess a lot of students that were in a similar situation that wanted to apply for medicine and unfortunately either didn't make it or um, or some other circumstances that for some reason they studied biomed instead or any other science, but you've been yeah. talking about it for quite a bit. And I just feel like I also did, if, if, if anyone listening, you don't know, I also studied biomed and then I took a mm -hmm. year out and then I, during that year I applied for medicine. But mm -hmm. do you know, I guess one thing that a lot of students who study biomed, a lot of times when I was doing biomed, there were a lot of people that were there because they didn't get into med. And yeah, yeah, you could sure. feel, I, I'm not, I don't know whether, like there was, there was a, they, they didn't feel fulfilled. And I, I felt like obviously they're just waiting to then reapply and get back there. But I think you really gained quite a lot from biomed. It didn't, it wasn't just a, it, it didn't, it could have just been a stepping stone for you to get back into the med, but for you, biomed really, you made something out of it, right? Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think it was both, a. it definitely was a stepping stone to some aspects of it. So I knew that, you know, the reason why I came into biomed was for the reason of applying to medicine. But I think also the back of my mind, it was more about enjoying, you know, enjoying the process and working hard, you know, on no matter what it is, like, even if I went into, let's say, I don't know, a mechanical engineering, which I have no passion in, you know, if, if I'm on a course and my name is attached to this course, then I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to get, to get wherever I can out of it. Not just for the end goal of applying to medicine, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, it, it, the thing is, I think one thing that's very important, at least from what you said, is that your goal, like medicine was a tool to improve lives. Like you, you probably yeah. could have, you know, you could have helped these kids or you could have helped people back home, uh, in many different ways, right? You could have studied anything. Mm. And I guess exactly. you saw I it as like healthcare was one way that you could do it. 
but because yeah. you've had yeah. this vision, um, yeah. it, it just felt like, you know, maybe you were just driven more than a lot of people because don't you feel like some people would have just, you know, at that point felt like, you know, maybe this is not it. Definitely. And I would, yeah, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said that I'd never, ever experienced that. Like there was so many days and so many times where I, I did go into that little hole of maybe this is not it, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not cut out for medicine. Like maybe that will, it's not what I'm here for. And maybe my goal and my vision is just a goal and a vision that's not going to come true. And it, it happened like so often. And I think, you know, it was, a, it was a very long process of getting myself out of that hole constantly and making sure that, uh, you know, whatever I do, I don't, I don't let that be my life. You know, I think we all have, we all have feelings of, am I good enough? You know, is, is my goal truly a goal? Is it going to happen? But I think it's just about, you know, making sure you get out of that and making sure that that's only a couple of hours as a situation. It's not your entire life. And that's what I was really trying to prevent. And, and, and it worked out in the long run. Thank God. Yeah. And, but how do you, in terms of what you said about not feeling good enough, because a lot of us, for many reasons don't feel like we're good enough but in this specific case yeah. it's a very like you've been rejected by a school or you're rejected by a bunch of schools and at this point how would you say was a good way to get out of that whole feeling that you are not good enough for med yeah yeah it's i mean i think it's first of all just recognizing that it's a feeling that happens to all of us like you're not you're not unique if you feel if you feel like that you're not unique in your situation you know and even me now, like finally getting into medical school, it's still something that happens, you know, uh, week in, week out. You know, it's a feeling that that is I think it's a part it's a natural part of the human existence. And I think that you know, we'd all be lying if we said that it never, ever affects us. Uh, so even now, medical school is something I do experience in regards to like, you know, back in biomed and how I got out of that feeling. I think it was, it was a lot of um, it was a lot of well, give me one second. Let me, let me think about what I was going to say. So yeah, it's a lot, I think it's like I just said, I think it's, it's realizing that imposter syndrome is something that, that is a normal feeling and it's a normal feeling that we, that we all have and it's okay to have that and just accepting that it's, it's a part of our experience. And especially when you're applying to something like medicine, which is so competitive, which is so uh, sought after, you know, especially in an area like that, you know, it's when you're going, going to probably feel the most imposter syndrome in your life. And I think it's just realizing that um, no one is an expert at anything, you know, I mean, there are, there are, there are stages in your life where you do eventually, you know, become an expert in it, but in a, in a space like medicine, especially, and I'm sure you feel this as well, Aaron, even now as medical students, we still don't feel like experts in it. And I think it's about, um, you know, practicing, I think practice builds confidence. I don't think you're born with confidence to apply for something. I don't think you're born with confidence to feel like I'm going to, you know, confident enough to get into medical school. And I think it's just knowing that practice will build confidence. So as I, as I take it step by step, as I go through my work experience and I spend a couple of weeks in a hospital, that builds my confidence. As I work really, really hard on my biomedical science uh, essays, on my coursework, on my exams, as I continue to do better because of working hard, that builds my confidence. As I continue to, to, you know, to start the UCAS application and start filling out my application, you know, slowly that builds confidence. So on my first day when I, when I first thought about medicine and I first thought, you know what, I'm in biomed now, but I want to get to medical school. I, of course, I wasn't confident at all because I didn't practice it. You know, I hadn't started the application process. And I think it's about, that's why medicine is such a long application process. Because in that year of maybe, you know, starting your application, in that year of actually, you know, doing work experience, um, working really hard for your biomedical science degree or your A-levels, or whatever that might be, in that process of repetition of practice, you start to build your confidence. So that when you finally reach the final step of the application, which is showing up for the interview on that day, 
you have a year's worth of practice that you've built up that has eventually left that point. And I can definitely say that on my final day when I entered that King's interview, I was way more confident than I was on my first day because I had the year of repetition, the year of practice. And it's the same thing right now, like when we're in our medical school, when we're applying, I mean, okay, right now, for example, we're like, what, three, four months out from our practical exams, from our, for our OSCE exams. Right now, if you asked me how confident I feel for my OSCEs, I'd tell you, like, I feel, I feel like completely like an imposter. I don't feel confident at all. But four months from now, when I, you know, after repeating these, um, you know, after going to hospital consistently and going to placement consistently and practicing with my friends every single day, then I'll finally feel, you know, confident and I feel le less like an imposter. You know, when I go into the actual um, exam station, I won't feel like an imposter because I would have done this for, you know, thoroughly for the last couple of weeks. And the same thing when I finally become a doctor, you know, I think, I think the key point here being practicable is confidence and trusting that over the next year when you're applying to medical school or wherever you are, you are in your life, you will have that practice that will eventually lead you to the point of becoming confident in that thing. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And one thing I definitely get from what you just said and something that I totally like, let's say vibe with, um, yeah. is the fact that you have to, con you have to focus on what you can control. And mm. sometimes you're what you are right now, you might think that you can control what you are right now, but even then you can't fully control what you are, but you Definitely. can spend one hour today studying. You can spend one hour right. tomorrow trying to work on the skill that you're not too confident with. Whether you become confident exactly. or you become good at it is not in your control. And, mm. yeah. and, and just like you said, like wh wherever you are in any point in university or like whether you're in medical school or not, you have to look at your time and look at your day and say, if I spend enough time on this, I will still be better tomorrow when I spend time on it today. And every single day you work on it, um, the best thing you can get out of it is the fact that you've tried your best and you're a little bit better. And, and, and I, I totally I agree that... Like, um, sorry, like, like a kind of like a X and Y axis graph with the yeah. X axis just being the things you can't control and the Y axis being things that are out of your control. You know, Y axis being maybe the circumstance you were born in. You know, maybe you were born in a family that hasn't gone to university. You're not you're not born in a family that has knowledge of what it takes to get to medical school. You know, maybe you're born in an underprivileged area of the world. You know, that's the Y axis, and that's the things that we you know we can't control and shouldn't really stress about and worry about too much. But the X axis is what we can control, and uh, those are things like you just said, like you know, studying every single day, you know, working really hard. You're focusing on your vision, you know, putting in the effort and the graph that is required to get into medical school. And then you'll have a nice like diagonal between the X and the Y of yeah. where your life ends, ends up going. And the harder you work on the X axis on the things you can control, the steeper that curve will be. And hopefully you'll eventually reach there. Yeah. Um, I haven't done math in a long time. So I've, you just <laughs> made me visualize, <laughs> uh, uh, visualize two axes that I was just thinking of it as different curves that I remember. Because in medicine, I yeah. think um, it's just a very simple graph that I don't have to really think about. Um, but I think uh, when you say that, I think, you mm. know, sometimes you focus on what you can control and, and you have all these circumstances that might be actually against you. And you look at other people yeah. and you're like, how come, okay, let's say I look at you and I'd be like, how come Kenji can spend an hour studying this and he mm. gets it? but I have to spend five hours. That's not fair. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about that? Like this comparing when it comes to like in university, 
comparing our ability to learn? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's, it, it makes life a lot difficult. I think whenever you bring comparison into the picture, and especially like in university or in medicine, it makes it makes life a lot more difficult. And I guess again, going back to things, I, I think to break it down to the point where, okay, like you said, this person it takes them one hour to understand this concept, and it's taking me four hours. But you don't know like what level of life this person's on. You don't know what chapter they that you know they're of life they're on. So for example. This person you're comparing yourself against, you may not even know. You may not. Ha you may not like know anything about this person, and maybe they're you know they're on a level you know level thirty. They're on an elevator and they're on floor thirty, and you're maybe on floor twenty five right now. And maybe the, the the difference in between the, the 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 you know the two levels is maybe they have access to a personal tutor. You know maybe you don't personally have access to a personal tutor, and that's something you can't afford maybe, or it's something it's a circumstance you can't control. You know. Um, maybe uh, they're a couple of, year, of years older than you. You know, maybe they um, they uh, had another degree before that that was specialising in this field of you know, the topic you're looking at. Maybe they they failed the last year and they had to repeat the year and they've done this stuff before. You know, so superficially, there's such a superficial level that you, we don't really understand or we don't know. You know, this person is on level 30. Maybe maybe we can see that they're on level 30 because they've obviously they're obviously getting this a lot easier than you are. But maybe you're on level 25, and the reason for that is, is 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 way more complex than we sometimes make it out to be. And I think psychologically, as human beings, we don't really see what, what I just described, which is behind closed doors, which is whatever they've they've gone through to mean that they're at this level. You know, and sometimes we can be really harsh on ourselves because we don't have that we don't have that vision, and we can't actually see why why someone is the way they are. And so I think when it comes to university, I really really try you know try not to yeah it's really hard not to but I really try not to compare too much because like I just said we don't know how this person got to the level they are at and why you're at the level you are and maybe you know again maybe one really important thing to think about is that maybe this person really gets this topic because like I said maybe they they um, have been through it before but then maybe there'll be a topic that you have that you get through in an hour really easily and then it'll be that person's turn to now be in a situation where they're thinking oh my god how is Kenji getting all of this in one hour and it's taking me five hours so I think the, the tables turn all the time and it's, it's because of that lack of ability to see why that person is where they are if that makes sense yeah and we shouldn't really be considering them too much even if you want to go deeper and deeper and be like so why is this person able to study that efficiently like you could, like even for example, people could watch your YouTube videos about studying and they could actually be like, how is he studying so much in a week? Because I'm sure that people look at you and they're like, how does Kenji study so much? I don't study that much. I can't study that much. But I think you make it clear most of the time, this is exactly how I do it. It's not really about, about me just being uh, any different from anyone else. It's just that you've decided instead of doing something else, you've decided to put in that time. And the reality is that some people might be able to learn the amount that you're learning, but in a much faster time as what we've just been talking about. So yeah, I think in, in some form or way, like we, they, they need to look, we need to look at each other and be like, we need to learn from each other on how we can improve, but we shouldn't be comparing um, our circumstances and our outcomes. We can only compare our habits because that's that's what we have. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, the point you just said. So, so they may look at me and think, "Oh my God, how is Kenji or this other person they're thinking about? How are they able to to, to study for that long?" But maybe I'm doing twelve hours 
of uh, of rubbish, and maybe I'm actually not work, concentrating as hard as I can. So I think we're looking, you know, we try to quantify it in our minds. And we try to say, okay, that person studied for 12 hours today. They must do so well on the exam. But maybe maybe you can study for eight hours and be a lot more effective than someone that studied for 12 hours. So again, we, you know, we're seeing it very superficially and we're only seeing the what we can quantify, which is the hours. But we're not looking at the effort behind it. You know, and maybe some people might look at me and think, oh, uh, can you study for that long? And I guess, of course, I do. But I take a lunch break. I take a break here and there. Sometimes I do get distracted. Sometimes I don't focus as much as I'd like to. But we look at it superficially and think, okay, let's we we quantify it and we compare how how hard someone else is working against yours. And I'm sure we've all, you know, you and I have both been there where we we see this person in the library all the time and we're thinking, oh my gosh, this person must be working so much harder than I am because they're always they're here all day and they live here. But at the same time, we don't see the value. Like we were not on their shoulder every single day to think to to say, okay, what actually are they doing during this 12-hour session? So again, you know, going back to just trying to avoid that comparison uh, and trying to not go too deep into what other people are doing because it's, there's too many factors like involved in that process. Yeah, and I think one thing that I think it, it, it around exam period that's when you get like elevated anxiety levels, and everyone's kind of looking at each other like, how ready are you for the exams? Uh, how much work are you yeah. putting in? And th this mm. honestly like. I think exams are very important, but the way yeah. a lot of us treat exams and university, mm -hmm. I think we need to understand that this whole thing is a system that it's up to us about how much we want to get out of it. There's some of us that want to do really well. We want to be at the top of the whole cohort and get the jobs that we want. But you have to understand that sometimes you're not going to do that and that's okay. But if yeah, you really yeah. tire your, men your, your health out, and you sacrifice your mental health to try to be with someone else, to try to compete against someone else that might be more efficient and have more resources, um, yeah, yeah. you might lose in the long run. And that's kind of what I've been trying to tell people again and again. Like, your yeah. mental health is very important, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. I, I think there's power in that. That's such a strong statement. There's so much power in knowing knowing what type of student you want to be. You know, are you the sort of person that you know for a fact, I want to be the top 5% of the year, the top 1% of the year. If that's you, that's completely fine, but know that and know that you're going in to, 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 to get that result. Or know that maybe you're someone who doesn't necessarily want to be top of the year. Like you want to be a good doctor, you want to pass your exams, but maybe you want to spend time elsewhere. You know, Maybe you want to be someone who is more family oriented. You want to be a good doctor, but maybe you don't really care about being in the top 50%. You know, you're happy just passing exams, but also being a, a better mother maybe because you have a child. You know, so I think it's about knowing, there's so much power in knowing what you want to get out of it. So in my like particular situation, I I, I want to do well. And I think, you know, I, I'm the sort of person who does always try to do their best. But at the same time, it'll be interesting to see what you think about yourself, Aaron, as well, in that, in that sense. But for me personally, I want to be a safe doctor. I want to be a good doctor as my patients. I want to be someone who passes their exams 100% and do well in the, those exams. But I don't really want to be... The top, I and mean, there was a point in my life where sometimes I did want to do that, and I definitely like tried and, and stri strove, uh, strive, strove, really aim for that. Str stro um, strived. 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 Yeah. Strived. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I studied hard enough, I may, may have known that. But yeah, I, I definitely was in a position sometimes to, to, to want to do that. But now I think what, where I've come to is I, yeah, like I said, I want to be a good doctor, I want to pass my exams. But I think the, the effort required to, to, to get that top, top, to maybe top 
compared to where I am now, that might uh, require an extra 200% increase in the hours I study, even though there, it may be a difference of only five to 10 marks in the exam, and will literally have no significance, significance in how better a doctor you are. So that's currently where I'm standing in, in where I am. Um, and I think it's really, there's so much power in knowing that and accepting that, because it means now that I, I, I know how much I am happy with, I know, I know how much impact that can have on my mental health. So I know how much work I'm happy having to the point where it doesn't affect my mental health and also doesn't affect the other things I want in life, which right now is currently like YouTube and it's other things outside of medicine that I'm also trying to focus on now as well. If that makes sense. And to segue a little bit, I mean, you, mm. you, it's not like you're just doing something else on the side. You are, you've been consistently putting in work, helping other people get into medical school. And when I was applying to medical school in 2016, I just feel like there weren't that many uh, YouTubers that were consistently putting out good content. Or uh, at least I, I mean, I'm not trying to diss anyone in 2016 who was popping, but I'm just saying that I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't remember. But why did you feel at the time that this is something that I want to do? I think, yeah, I think it's it's like what you just said. You know, when I was applying to medical school as well, I didn't really come across that many YouTubers who could give me the information that would have changed my life at that point in time. And so when I make my videos now, a lot of the time I'm thinking, what would Kenji, when he was applying, wanted to have known? And what really would have added value in his life and what would have changed his life? Because at the time when I was applying to medical school, I remember when I think of the grades and I was, I was, you know, I was really upset by that. And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna, I can't get to medical school this year. I remember going to my teachers and saying to them, you know, obviously I can't apply this year with my A-levels, um, but I, I want to go down the path of graduate and, uh, you know, applying as graduate like you and I did. But there wasn't a single teacher in the whole entire uh, college that came to me and said, Kenji, that's a good idea. You know, every single one of them was saying, like, no, you can't fund it. It's impossible to fund it. You'll be in so much debt. They were saying it's extremely competitive. And all they told me was the graduate option route. And I never knew about the, the you know, things like, you know, one being it is possible to fund it if you do, uh, you know, plan around that. And also, you don't necessarily need to go in as a graduate, you can go in as an undergraduate. So, so many things that they didn't tell me. And looking back now, whenever, like I said, whenever I make a video, I'm always thinking, what would Kenji at that time wanted to hear? And it was about making videos that will hopefully address the many like Kenjis out there right now who are in my position that I wasn't before, and hopefully trying to change that and, and bring them um, and tell them what my teachers didn't tell me, essentially. Who are these teachers? Who, what, oh, man. what? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I went back to my college. Oh, actually, no. Let me not. Let me cut this far. I was gonna say I went back to my high school, my college, and I was like, you know, the, the, it, it's different now. It's different. And then the people who did tell me, you know, who were telling me those things, were now like, oh, you know, it's so good. Like you're in med school. Please come talk to the students. You know, please come and uh, tell them how you got in. You know, and then these are the same people who told me like you're not gonna make it. And it's so, not the path to go down. So hopefully yeah, now, I mean, after my college, making these videos, maybe things would have changed. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder, like, are people actually... So I think a lot of people believe in being realistic and pragmatic. So I am I would say I'm pretty... I try to be as pragmatic and realistic as possible. Um, so sometimes people feel like, okay, I'm just going to tell this kid uh, what are the likely outcomes. Because, I mean, I think in reality, you the likeliness of you getting into medical school generally is very low for all of us getting into medical school is low. So everyone who made it, uh, you know, it, it is a huge feat. And for those who didn't, I mean, you have to remember that, that it is a huge like mountain to climb. 
And I guess sometimes it's just easier to tell kids to be, you know, this is, it's tough and it's better for you to not go into, because they, they knew you were going to biomed, I guess. And they probably felt, I'm not going to speak for them. I'm just saying generally how even parents who don't want to be like, you know, gassing your kids up unnecessarily and try to just hold them down so that they have realistic, uh, uh, you know, views. But this obviously dampens your, your, your self-worth, right? Definitely. And because and, um, we also have to remember the, these people who are telling you these things are also delivering the information from their own filter. So from their own point of view. So for someone like me, maybe, you know, what I wanted to hear was, you know, yes, let's be realistic and say the chances are low, but also there is a very high chance. But also, again, like I said, remembering that they are seeing it through their own lens, you know, they have a lens on, on top of um, their eyes, they have a filter, which comes from who they are as a person, you know, what their environment is like, you know, what their mindset is like. So I think it's, a, it's, 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 it's definitely being realistic and listening to what they have to say, but also not taking that as gospel. And I'm glad that when I was there, I didn't say, I didn't take that you know, as gospel and I didn't internalize that too much. And also remember to take that, to, to take what they're saying and, and put, apply it to my own filter and apply it to my own lens in front of my eye. And the way I saw that was, you know what, that's good advice. I'm going to take that. I'm going to filter that. But I'm going to take that is good advice. You know, I'm going to be realistic as well. And remember that there is also, a, a, there, you know, the odds are also against me. Like you just said, it's very, very competitive and it is very, very difficult, but also apply it to my filter. And my filter is let's also be, let's, let's be positive and let's also, um, you know, have hope and have, and, um, and, you know, and work hard. And then, so I think it's about applying, taking someone else's advice, but applying it to your own filter and not being, not taking too much of their filter that, that, that they, um, you know, have into your own life and internalizing that. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, so as I got older, um, I, I was able to understand how to take messages that are coming from other people and try to understand, you know, try to make sure that, is this a message that I want to take in? Do I really believe this? Is this something that's useful to yeah. me? But when you're 18 yeah. or even my early twenties, it yeah, is yeah. very easy when you haven't built up all this experience of people saying a whole bunch of things to understand yeah. what is actually useful for you and what is not. Because it's it's mm -hmm. easy for anyone to hear that and say, Oh, I guess I guess I am not good enough. Oh, I am yeah. that's just yeah. not for me. And yeah. you're absolutely right that this is something that we learn over time, but hopefully we can teach more kids. And at least, yeah. I mean, people in the in the late teens, that you have a yeah. choice to take information in, and yeah. and you have to, like you said, every single person that says what they want to say, has they they created a they have a whole lifetime of their own experiences, that people that yeah. they've seen either succeed or fail or their own successes and failures, I mean, like, 100%. so if we yeah. look at every single person. Yeah, mm. as a collection of like successes and failures and trying their best. I mean, we have to understand that they've seen a bunch of things. Now, do I mm. regard that as the truth? Yes, yeah, so the thing we need to be really, really aware of is who are your panel of judges? You know, who sits at your table, who you take life advice from? And the thing is, when you're young and you're, you know, especially when I was young, everyone sat at the table. I had everyone at the table. No matter whether you're my barber, like trimming my hair and giving me life advice, or if you're my, my father, my mom, or my teachers, everyone's at the table. Yeah. So if, when I need help, when I need advice, it's, it's, it's very, um, 
there's no there's not much of a selection process between who I used to take advice from and who I don't. Whereas now, like you just said, you know, having grown older, having become a bit more experienced in life, you know, the panel of judges is very, very, um, it's a lot less than it definitely was back then. So going back to the, you know, the the example I gave of the teachers I had back then, you know, maybe maybe they should have been on the table, but maybe not in the front seat, and maybe not in the front seat giving me the advice that I necessarily needed. You know, maybe they should have been in the back seat where I definitely need to hear their advice about the, you know, the unlikelihood of me getting to medical school. But maybe they shouldn't have been the front seat providing me with that advice. If that makes sense. Yeah, and and I mean the thing is, a lot of us are shaped by our teachers. So, I mean that's something that yeah. I hope more people understand that you know you you need to you need to know you need you need to, to. it's hard to it's hard to know, but yeah, but just yeah. remember that your self worth is not determined by other people. It yeah. is it is something that you have to develop and you have to believe in yourself for. And I think yeah. it's quite yeah. amazing that, I mean, you are making content and you're making videos and, and mm. um, you put out a lot of resources for other people mm. uh, because you felt that there was a gap in helping people like you who may yeah. felt, yeah. I guess, felt maybe a little bit lost, maybe a little bit like not sure where to go. Mm. But you've provided a lot of answers in the last three years. Thanks, man. Right? You've, you've definitely... I think you started, so when you did first start off, um, mm. again, I'm assuming there was some form of self-doubt and imposter syndrome oh, yeah. when you, yeah. So how was it with YouTube? So you knew, so you got into medical school. So you're like, oh, oh man, I'm, I'm in, I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah. Then you start YouTube and the whole thing starts again. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, you know, when I started YouTube at a time, I definitely got so much imposter syndrome because I was like, yes, I got to medical school, but what makes me the person who should be giving this advice? You know, because I think I was looking around the classroom and I was thinking there's 450 of us here. You know, maybe absolutely every single person here can give that advice. So why me? You know, why am I sitting in front of the camera providing that advice? And it's stuff, something I definitely like was really nervous about. You know, I was so nervous to start a YouTube channel because I thought, okay, if my peers and the people sitting in this lecture find my videos, you know, what would they would they not judge me? I mean, would they not think that, you know, why am I so special because I'm a medical student and why am I making videos about my life as medical students? And it's definitely something I had to overcome uh, overcome to 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 do that. And I think with any sort of content creation, whether you're making videos or recording podcasts or writing a book, there will always be that element that you have to overcome. And I think, you know, the the, the downside is the imposter syndrome or maybe the fear of judgment of people. But the upside is that that's what you have to go through to impact lives. And I'm really, really glad that I didn't let the, the, the downside, you know, um, overcome the good side. And hopefully um, I reached a stage now where I have helped a lot of people. And um, it was just yeah, about, you know, finding that balance and getting over the, the, the fear of it. And uh, I, I think I remember when you I think when you put out your first or second video, you didn't tell anyone. And oh, we yeah. were in the gym and then you I came over to you and you were like and then you told me you had this YouTube channel. And you were yeah, like, I'll yeah. send you a link to this video. Let me know what you think. Oh, yeah. So you were, you were definitely it. like trying to be low-key with it when a lot of us, when we put up our YouTube video now, are like, check out my YouTube channel. This is all the videos. <laughs> <laughs> like you see people now completely putting themselves out there from the very beginning. But you definitely felt definitely. very cautious about how um, people would feel. But I think it's amazing that even though you felt that way, if you yeah. had stopped, can you imagine the number of people that have benefited from your work? Mm. If you had oh, decided man. that I give a damn about 
what my course mates think. Mm. Yeah, we wouldn't be here right now. Definitely, definitely wouldn't be here right now. And I think, I, I don't know, I think times have changed. I think um, YouTube and all this stuff is going to become a lot more popular. I think, you know, especially with COVID, there's been a burst in like YouTubers and medical YouTubers doing it. And it's become a lot more like normalized. Like, you know, having a YouTube channel now is kind of like seen as a cool thing or seen as something positive. But I think maybe it was in my mind, but I feel like back when I started, things were a little bit different and it wasn't as common to have a YouTube channel and people would look at you as, you know, oh, you know, you're doing a weird thing. Like, why are you recording yourself on the camera? Um, but yeah, like, as you said, I'm really glad I stuck to it because hopefully people have benefited from it. I mean... I can't imagine the number of people that, like, even if it was just one person that you helped get into medical school, that's mm. crazy because that's not your job. Your job is not to help people get into medical school. There are a bunch of, there are people who get paid to get yeah. kids into uni. You didn't do any of that. But mm. you felt like, you know, this was something that you wanted to do. And yeah, I think yeah. in terms of fear of judgment, mm. I guess one question I ask nearly anyone about fear of judgment, because I think it's such an important concept that yeah. a lot of us have to deal with because if we don't mm. just like you there are a lot of people out here that have amazing things to give to help others but all those people are going to be deprived because of someone's fear of judgment yeah and i think that's yeah. a very unfortunate thing um mm. over Either. time how did you let's say how did actually that fear of judgment kind of I, I don't know if it totally went away, but how did it reduce over time? I think there's probably two ways. I think the first way is um, this like whole spotlight effect that everyone thinks they have on them. You know, I think um, definitely when I first started uh, in med school and being a teenager, you know, I felt like a different example, but I'd walk into the lecture theater and I'd be walking up the steps just to find my seat and everyone sat there. And you're thinking, oh my God, I'm thinking, oh my God, I hope I don't trip. I hope I don't like look, look funny. I hope there's nothing on my shirt or my, on my mouth. And you really, really do think that uh, everyone is staring at you all the time. And it's not just a lecture theater. It's when you're uploading a YouTube video and you think that the whole world, there is literally a spotlight following you around the, the room on your head. But then I think, you know, I, I soon realized that actually no one actually like cares that much about like in a really good way not everyone cares that much about how you look or how you might come across because everyone has their own insecurities. You know, you may have a few insecurities that may stop you from doing what you want to do, but remember that everyone has their own insecurities and everyone, think, everyone, think, everyone thinks the spotlight is on them as well. So I think the first part was just realizing that there is no spotlight over my head. No one actually cares about what I'm talking about or what I'm doing. They may care about it initially, and there was a little bit of a buzz when I first started uploading YouTube videos, but eventually everyone got over it and went back to their own lives and went back to you know what they're thinking about. I think that was the first part. The second part, I think, um, that really helped me get over the fear um, of judgment is realizing that the people that do matter don't care, and the people that don't care actually don't matter. So like you just said, you know, when I first uploaded a video, I came up to you and I said, hey man, I'm uploading a YouTube video. I'm, I'm starting a whole YouTube channel. Can you give me some feedback on like what you think? Because you're someone that to me matters and you don't care in terms of like the, the judgment and the bad things. Yeah. But realizing the people that, that really, really don't matter will be the ones caring. And and to this day, I still get hate, you know, comments, you know, now and again, I still get dislikes on my videos. But, you know, it's the same thing, uh, you know, realizing that the people who care in my life won't, won't be disliking my videos. The people who I really care about in my life are not the ones who will be judging me. They'll be people that I don't necessarily know or don't necessarily like have an affiliation with. And that's why it doesn't uh, really matter at the end of the day. 
And and I think it's amazing that you're hyper focused on the people that matter because I think that 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 applies to nearly everything that we do. Every time yeah. we start focusing and veering our attention on someone else that will never benefit from our work, mm. we will we will lose track of what we're supposed to do. So definitely, I I think it 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 was very clear from the beginning that you cared about this, and I think mm. it was good that you pushed on through everything. And I guess, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's really good advice. I think for anyone else that the spotlight effect is yeah. we're literally hot. People are all looking at themselves. If you're thinking so yeah. much about yourself, can you imagine everyone else thinking about themselves? And exactly. That, it's there's, there's, or more. Yeah. Right. And, and there's, there's no way that, that anyone remembers what you've done uh, for more yeah. than a few seconds, like we, our, our yeah. attention span itself is already, like we'll watch something and be like, oh, this is bad, and then we move yeah. on and we consume another hour of content. It's like no one's gonna <laughs> exactly. look at your video and remember that Kenji's video was not lit well enough, or he just yeah. his mic wasn't good enough. Like we think everyone's sitting there, like trying to yeah. call us out on our our value of our work, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm also a culprit of that. I'm not talking just about everyone else. I also feel oh, yeah. sometimes, you know, I need to make sure my videos are great. My photos yeah. are great. Everything I put out there has to be, you know, on brand because mm. sometimes it, it is like, I don't want to be seen as someone that I don't want to put out. And, yeah. Yeah. but I think it's a good reminder for both of us and anyone listening that very few people care. And in a good mm. way, people don't care as much as you think they do. So just exactly. cherish the and ones that do. Definitely. And like, how would you react if, if there was another YouTuber who, who started your channel? You know, I always thought about that. I always thought that if there was someone on our course who started a YouTube channel, I'd be like, oh, that's, that's a really cool thing. You know, that's a really unique thing. I, I want to go talk to that person and I want to find out what they're doing and, you know, how, you know, what they're filming about, what their channel's about. That's how I would have thought about it. So I thought that, oh, okay, there, there will be some people that may, you know, judge me. I'd like to think that the majority of people will see me the exact same way that I'd see them. And it definitely was the case, you know. There were some, you know, some worries I had, but actually the majority of people on my course would come up to me and be like, hey, Kenji, I, I don't know you, but I saw you posted a YouTube video. And that's really cool. You know, what's it about? You know, what's your channel about? And that happened so often that I made a lot of friends and, you know, that really led to a lot of, um, a lot of my life being changed because of that. Um, if, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it no, it definitely does. And I think, mm -hmm. but also I think maybe we're also biased about content creators. So when we look at other people putting themselves out there because of how we feel, we also a bit more positive about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And we try to make oh, yeah. sure that yes, yeah. we, we do try to make sure that they don't feel the same way mm -hmm. that we would have felt. Yeah. And we want to yeah. remind, like even making this, this podcast right now and this last few minutes, we're trying to mm -hmm. remind everyone listening to this and watching this on YouTube that whatever you're trying to create, you will feel some form of imposter syndrome. You will feel self-doubt and you yeah. will think that everyone's looking at you and judging you, but they're not. There's, there's, there are very few people caring and you can only yeah. focus on yourself. And just like we said earlier, you can only focus on what you can control, which is, can I make a exactly. better video each and every time? And that's, exactly. that's, that's the only thing. And, and it goes on the same thing again and again, self-improvement, like a yeah. lot of the things with personal growth is 
you have to focus on yourself. You have to focus on your habits and what you can control. Yeah. If you just do that for long enough, you will mm. achieve a subset of what you want. Whether you achieve the hundred percent or not, I think that's that's that depends on your goal and how much yeah. work you put in. But you will achieve some of that, and that's how Definitely. we actually have to live. Definitely, and I think also just realizing that you can't like please everyone. I I kind of think sometimes that uh, like let's say that those people on the course of my life that thought, oh Kenji's hair right now doesn't look good, and I would go to the barber and I would get a trim and I'd change it completely. Right, yeah. but the other people who thought my hair looks good will now think, "Oh, Kenji's hair doesn't look that great anymore." But the people who thought it was bad initially will now think, "Oh, Kenji's hair's great." And they think, you know, I think it just goes around in circles. You know, if you try to please everyone, you're gonna please no one. So try to please a small set of people, and that might be your online audience. But also, it's like based on a haircut. Firstly, I I need a I need a haircut. <laughs> I think about this yeah, quite is, often. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think we are. We are projecting, okay, even talking yeah. about just haircuts, we are projecting mm -hmm. the haircut that we think looks best on us. Because uh, a lot of yeah. times there'll be other people will be like, oh, I like your hair long. And you'll be like, really? I, I, mm. I love the fade. I like that fade. But then yeah. they're seeing a different thing. And it's a good reminder, like you said, that we are like, everyone's looking at us with different preferences. And if different, we think that yeah. we're not looking good enough, that's something that we've projected. That's a self-belief that my yeah, haircut, yeah. It, like my face or my whole vibe is better when I have a fade. And if yeah. I have long hair, uh, it just doesn't come out right. But that's a belief. Mm -hmm. There's no one that can mm -hmm. say that that's the truth other than ourselves. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I think it's just, uh, you know, going back to YouTube at the same time, it's, it's realizing that exactly that, you know, that you can't please everyone. Everyone will see you through their own lens. So the the one lens that really truly matters is the lens that you see yourself through. So when you make videos or make content that will, that like, like I said, going back to what I said about how I was making videos for, for the Kenji that was applying and for the Kenji that would have been proud of the videos I made, you know? And I think that made me a lot happier when I was creating videos for myself and seeing, seeing the videos through the lens that I want to see as, and not taking on the lenses of, and the filters of other people and how they saw me. It's perfect, man. That's that's a tweet. You can break that up into tweets and <laughs> just put it out yeah, there. For sure. So for I sure. think I think um, so. I, I put out on my stories uh, yesterday and today, yeah. asking people if they have any questions for you. Cool. And a few people did answer. So I'm gonna ask yeah. you a few of them that they've. That I think we've covered some of the things that they've asked, but All I'm right. gonna ask you anyway. Cool. And so here's, here's, okay. So I'm, I'm literally going to ask you, well, you know what? I'll let you see whether you can answer it. Um, right. so BD official over here said that what are the chances to switch from biomed to medicine? What well, are the chances? Well, the chances. No down. context, no context. Just answer the question. <laughs> Well, <laughs> okay, I, I think it, yeah, it depends on who you are, depends on your circumstance and what, what, where are you coming from, you know, uh, what person, like we just said in, the, in this podcast, you know, what is the circumstance that you might be on, you know, are you on level five, six, seven, you know, in regards to, you know, um, your, uh, your, your gifts, your advantages, your unfair advantages, which you definitely have, uh, what your disadvantages, it all depends. I think it's just about knowing, uh, knowing what they are that will give you the, the, the real strength and your application. 
It's a pretty good answer with no extra context. <laughs> Charmed, that's really good. Okay, and uh, underscore s. And by the way, if I'm just, if I'm Those absolutely, I mean, these are usernames. I don't know if these are actually your names, but, uh, you know, I'm, I apologize. But uh, did you doubt your academic potential when you did not get accepted first time round? So we have covered this, but covered I guess show, specifically, yeah. what would your answer be? I, yeah, I think my answer would be that it would be abnormal for anyone to not doubt themselves in any given situation. And I think I doubted my academic potential back then, and I, I doubt it now as well, you know, going forward. Uh, and like we said, you know, you always have those, we all, we all have, we're all human, we all have those those moments of imposter syndrome. And it's just about getting out of it and uh, finding that belief in yourself. Those are good answers. Um, <laughs> Uh, A, B, Z, and seven asked you, uh, what was your initial reaction when you realized you had to go into medicine as a postgrad? So I think you've Ooh. covered that, but what was your initial, the yeah. moment you realized that, that this was not going to happen? You mean, how did I feel when I, when I realized that I'd have to go into postgrad rather than going in through A-levels? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we, we more or less covered it, but yeah, it was obviously it was it was sadness. It was um, being really upset. I remember getting my grades getting to that point when I remember like we got it on our laptop and I was in my bed and I was lying down and I just did not want to get out of bed that day. You know, I I completely wanted to stay in bed for the whole entire week and just sulk about it and be really really upset about it. So yeah, so yeah, it was really really sad. My life was over in my head. Um, but, uh, you know, we're all human, you know, I think it's fine to do that for, th for a couple of hours, a couple of days if you need to, but if I could, you know, if I, if I came back to myself a week later, a month later, now still there, that's when the problem would, would arise, you know, not, not from the initial, like, you know, feeling. Yeah. And I think based on, if you've been listening to this for the last, was it 50 minutes now? I mean, I, I think it's very clear how Kenji has, um, build resilience over time and actually come back from what it is. And I think it's a good lesson to anyone else that when things don't go your way, um, you, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you work hard, you're just going to get whatever you want, but mm. if you put in the work, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get, you're going to get zero. Like you just yeah. have to realign, see what you have and then yeah. go and then, and then, you know, see what resources you have and then replan mm. what you're going to do. And I think that's what you did. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly pretty much. Because there's, I think getting into like medical school and getting into like a very um, academic fields, there's so much and maybe too much stress on the necessity for academic intelligence. You know, one, I think everyone thinks that to get to medical school, I have to be academically gifted and academically extremely intelligent. We also forget about the flip side of it, which is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is so key to being a successful person. And emotional intelligence in this context, meaning the resilience, the ability to to take yourself out of that, you know, downward slump, the, the, the unhappiness, the feeling of self-doubt, the feeling of not being good enough, and be resilient towards that and actually convince yourself that actually, no, this is a situation I'm in now. It doesn't have to be like this forever. And I do have what it takes to get into medical school. And that comes with the other, the flip side of it, which is being able to deal with failure, being able to deal with not getting what you want and being emotionally resilient and having the emotional intelligence to come back and, and do it. So I don't think it's just academic intelligence. I think there's so much focus on that in our, in our life, in our world. It's the two come hand in hand. And if you are someone who's maybe more emotionally gifted compared to the academic side, then maybe you need to work on the academic side 
or you know vice versa as well yeah um, and i think and and as a final point i think uh for me personally i think i'm more gifted in the emotional side of things i honestly don't think my academic intelligence is is anything uh amazing you know and i think like my uk cats my clinical actor test you know said that i don't think my my academic intelligence is what i'm naturally gifted at i think i'm more gifted at the emotional intelligence side of things which is which is what is, is what has allowed me to really excel in medical school is because i think the the emotional uh intelligence side of things is really what's um is what's uh kind of um saves me for the lack of academic intelligence in some aspects like of course you have to be academically um intelligent to some regard like to get into medical school but don't forget that there is a huge other aspect of it which is emotional intelligence that can that can overtake sometimes yeah so it's yeah again understanding your strengths and knowing what you have going for you or not going for you and being as realistic as yeah. possible um okay. okay so just a few more um yeah i can't say berg you in uh underscore berg you in her underscore cs sorry um are you happy with your life relationship and with yourself am i happy with my life is it life comma relationship comma myself yeah Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think in all those aspects, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, happy and content with, I think, uh, um, success in life is not just, uh, it's, 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 it's multifactorial. It's not just about, uh, being successful in like your academics or, you know, doing well in medical school. It's also about having a, um, a huge balance with your relationship, with your friends, with your family. And, um, sometimes I think in medical school, it's so easy to get taken away from that and to think and to, you know, to think that the only important thing that I need to be focusing on is medical school and really, uh, you know, putting the rest to the side. And I think it's about reminding yourself every single day that there is more than one type of success in life. You know, one being, one being your career, of course, but you know, the other being relationships, fitness, health, all that stuff as well. Yeah. And so the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah short answer is yes Definitely. long answer is a much more meaningful one that you just gave us <laughs> okay so um banana hannah xox asks what are some personality traits that cause certain struggles in med school Ooh, i i think the, the first one like straight off the bat i'd say is uh perfectionism so wanting to be perfect all the time wanting to uh Yeah, to be perfect all the time. And I think it's, we also, we have to remind ourselves that um, medicine is not a, gre- a degree where you will be perfect all the time. It's more about, it's more a degree where you learn through failures. You know, I don't, I don't particularly learn when I do things good. I, I learn when I do things badly. And that's where the, the, the real growth happens. So I think perfectionism, I think uh, uh, competition. I think as, as medics, like we all naturally are competitive to, to some degree. But I think being too, too focused on being competitive and being the best Um, makes medical school a bit difficult. You know, I think you come from maybe being the top of your secondary school, the top of your college, and then coming to medical school and actually being very normal because everyone who came into medical school was the top of their college as well. And if you focus too much on the competition, you can really take away from where uh, you are in life and where you, like, your goal is. And lastly, probably um, um, wanting to, uh, just the personality that comes with wanting to know uh, everything and wanting to, to uh, achieve everything you know, and being too much of an, uh, of an overachiever sometimes, which I, I suffer from all these things, like, by the way, every single, all the time, but yeah, I wanted to achieve too much because, you know, there, there will always be something more you can learn in medical school. There'll be always, there'll always be something more you can do. 
and it can really take over your life if you let that be the case every single day. You know, sometimes I really have to force myself and say, Kenji, you've worked, you know, a couple of hours today. It's 6 p.m., you know, stop your work and go and enjoy your life because that's what truly will matter at the end of the day when, I, when I'm on my deathbed, you know. Um, of course, I focus on studies and all that stuff, but also don't uh, worry too much about what you don't know and just, you know, focus on the stuff you do know. Too many good ones. You should have maybe you should have started these questions. Okay, last one, last <laughs> question. Um, right, how fun. do you keep track with space rep? Oh, this is from this is on this is from Twitter. Um, okay. Cough syrup ninety seven. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, how do you <laughs> how do you keep track with space repetition as a med student, especially when you have tons of topics to cover, from medicine, surgery, to women's health and mental health. Ooh, so yeah, so I think I made a whole video on Anki, and like Anki is like what I absolutely live by now. Uh, so wait, I really wait. Was so it. so yeah. go, so you're telling people to go check out your video on I'm, space I'm repetition. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole so, video on that. So check yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, but I think long story short, I think it's uh, just realizing that yeah, medicine is a marathon, and it's not uh, it's not a sprint. You know, if we see it as a sprint, we will really worry about not uh, getting enough time for space repetition to cover all those topics that that, that cough syrup, uh, my guy just mentioned. You know, I think it's um, it's realizing that it's a marathon. If you want to apply space repetition, it's very much in the name, spaced repetition. So putting in a little bit every single day, you know, setting aside half an hour every single day to go through your flashcards, to go through your Anki cards, to recover those topics. But every single day, three you know, for 300 days a year, that's what's going to make you a good doctor and that's what's going to allow you to pass your exams not the short bursts of um, of energy before the exam period. It's uh it's yeah being in it for for the long run, being in it for the marathon. Because I think it's it's quite easy to not realize how much time is ahead of us, and we kind of live yeah. in this hyper focused present where it's like oh no I gotta just time's always time always feels like it's running out. I oh, mean yeah. technically yeah. not to be too grim. I mean it is, um, yeah, but you can yeah. look at it as not as something that's limited that's running out is you don't have to look at it like that but you can just be like okay i'm gonna work the hardest i can right now yeah, and yeah. and whatever will happen will happen but we can only focus on trying our best right now so even to this question i thought it was a good question but uh, i yeah. think if you start if you start feeling like i got all these things to do and and i can't mm. do it the point is to just do it yeah that's it yeah there, there's nothing exactly if you're anxious about the future and the fact that you can't study enough um, yeah. Well, unfortunately, maybe you didn't study before, but that's gone and that's over. And yeah. you got to try yeah. your best from now on. I mean, you got to accept the fate that's coming. Try your best. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't sacrifice your health for that. And and yeah. and do what you can. Exactly. And especially like in medical school, um, you'll get so used to, or you kind of have to get used to there being an, like an ever-growing to-do list. You know, I don't think I ever get to the bottom of my to-do list or my revision list. Even by the time I reach the exam, there are still lectures I, and topics I still have not touched yet. And it's just about being okay with having that ever-growing list of things piling up. And, you know, I think to finally, to kind of sum up what I'm saying is, I, I kind of see myself or see like medics in general as like professional jugglers, you know, like being in a circus, juggling loads of balls in your hand. And every single day, some of those balls will, will fall to side and will be gone forever. And you may forget about it and make a mistake. And that ball just smashes and goes away. And some days um, the, you'll, take, you'll, you'll finish juggling the ball and you'll be happy with it and you'll put it down to the side and be like, you know what, I juggle this ball so much, I finally feel content with it. 
But also on the other side, you have someone throwing balls at you constantly and you kind of having to just keep juggling. And some of the, some of the balls will fall. Some of them will uh, will be gone forever and you'll, you'll mess up. And that's fine. But it's about keeping those balls juggling every single day and doing what you can to get them safely to the destination, you know, right at the end. If you're listening to this on audio, you should see the video of him juggling, of Kenji <laughs> air juggling Very his accurate. balls through that conversation. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot of things to do, but you have to Definitely. accept that you have a lot of things to do and yeah. try your best, right? Definitely. So Definitely. to kind of wrap up, uh, yeah. I think I think we've, we've, we've had a good session and I think for all of you listening, um, I hope you take something away from what we had because we're not, in, in many ways, we're not, we're medical students um, and mm we still have a long career ahead of us and wherever you are, whether you're applying to medical school in medical school or you're already a doctor, um, I think you will constantly go into waves of uh, imposter syndrome, self-doubt, feeling you're not mm. good enough, things overwhelming you. Like it happens everywhere along the way. And, yeah, and I yeah. think Kenji would agree with me that you just have to be ready for it to happen, not mm. be not think that it wouldn't it it will happen you you will try your yeah. best you will work your hardest you'll read all the books that you can read but mm. things will still hit you from time to time one day you, you it just hits you from an yeah. from an angle that you don't really know but uh and yeah and, i i think the reason why it doesn't bother me anymore this whole positive thing is you know the same reason why it doesn't bother me when it rains in london because i i know it's going to rain and i expect it to rain so when the imposter syndrome comes onto me, the reason why it doesn't make me feel that bad anymore is because I know it's going to come and that's okay. But eventually the rain will stop and the imposter syndrome will go away and life will carry on. That's pretty good, man. It's like, that was, that was a good analogy. I love that. Um, <laughs> Thanks, bro. So, so to close on, I mean, for everyone listening, how can they, where can they find you? Cool. Yeah. So I think I'm, uh, I'm in as many places as I try to be. So I think the, the first place I'd say is my, my YouTube channel. So just type in like Kenji Medicine or Kenji Tomita on YouTube. Uh, you can go to my website if you want to see what else I'm about. Um, I do loads of like online courses for, for medical school applicants. I give like personal uh, statement uh, advice. I give um, career advice. And now all of that is on uh, .uk. Um And my Instagram as well. Uh, hit me up on uh, bio. BIO number two med. Um, and yeah, come say what's up. And if you're, if you're on YouTube, I will link it below uh, so okay, that you can dope. just go check him out. And definitely. Cool. And, and, and is there any more? Anywhere else people can find you? Oh, no, that's it. Yeah, those is are the that, places. Is that it? That's, that's enough. They'll, they'll enough branch places. out. They'll branch out. Okay. Yeah, they'll branch out. Yeah. So, so, go, so do check Kenji out and just, um, I mean, even if you're not applying to medical school, you're not in medicine and you want some just advice about university, uh, do check Kenji out. And uh, I think that's it's something that all of us can benefit from. And uh, so thank you for your time. And uh, I think we both me, need to... Nice talking to you. I think we both need to get back to work. And, uh, <laughs> have some yeah, dinner yeah, yeah. and then go, get, <laughs> go back to oh, work. Oh, man. You, you can probably hear my, my stomach rumbling on the, on the microphone, but we'll cut that out. <laughs> no, because mine, my rumbling is too loud. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> all right, all right, thanks, man. I'll see you later. All right, take care, bro. See you. Bye.